0: Hello and welcome to the Funk Diary. It's the Funk Diaries, um, it's the Funk Diaries, and it's just a (laughs) deficit. Hi everybody! Not pausing, wait what? No, it's It's recording. It's recording.
1: Um, welcome well, back, everybody. Hi, hello, hi, hi. Hi, everyone, hi. Welcome back. Um, today it's Jocelyn's episode. Hi. So we're here for Jocelyn's story. Mm-hmm. We're here to find out her journey, how everything. His like just her mental health story essentially, and um, we're joined by Ola once again. Hi hi. Um, he's going to be asking the questions. Nice. Um, I'm also I going to. I yeah. might ask questions as well. And like we said, it's just so that we have like a fresh perspective because I've um heard some of it already, and and obviously I can relate to something. So from a person who doesn't have as much experience with mental health um related issues. So Ola,
2: cool. How hey, Awesome. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great, how are you?
0: Calm Um cool. So mental health. Um so in your like whole mental health journey, mm. when did you notice that something was potentially wrong with your mental health?
2: Okay, so I would first of all start by saying I don't think mine started as Depression and anxiety, I think mine was purely just depression at the beginning and anxiety either came a bit later or I wasn't necessarily aware of what that held, what that was, what, what, what anxiety, like what consisted with anxiety. So I remember from my first session with a psychiatrist having to kind of give him a backstory of, like, my life. I didn't really have any childhood traumas, Mm. but I can remember as far back to year six, year seven, Mm. we went on, like, this school trip to, like, one of these museums. And all my friends were there. There was nothing that I had any... I didn't really have anything to be sad about, but I remember just being very isolated in my thoughts and in my being and just kind of very removed from every situation that was happening and just feeling very low And at the end of the school trip, you know when you go to the souvenir shop and you buy that key ring Mm -hmm. or that apron or whatever? I didn't buy any of that. I bought a little book called Be Happy. Mm. And I remember how... I remember why I bought it and how I felt at the time. Like, I definitely couldn't pinpoint it and say at the time, oh, I feel depressed or I feel this. Mm. But I remember right now how I felt then and why I bought the book Mm. because I genuinely felt really low. So I could probably go back to that as a point and then i'd say again one major point would be a levels a levels was just a really crappy time um which i guess is the same for a lot of people but it was probably one of the darkest two years of my life um i picked the wrong subjects no amount of like hard work energy tuition was picking up my grades it was just really really tough like, really tough, taxing my brain. Considering I moved schools as well, I didn't really have problems with, like, the social aspect. It was just the academics, and it knocked my confidence a lot. And just, yeah, threw me to the ground.
0: Oh wow! So, like, in year six or year seven, you're, like, ten, eleven or twelve. Yeah. So, at that age of what things would you say that you were sad about? Or?
2: I couldn't tell you. That's what, Like, my childhood was very okay. There was nothing... i have grown up in a very good home my whole life. So... All I can think about is just experiencing maybe periods of, like, feeling low, feeling sadder than I should do for my age. Like, at that age, what do you kind of have to be... You don't really have any cares or worries. So unless you have a very intense home environment, you don't really have much to be sad about, you know?
0: Yeah. So, talk about feeling low. Mm. But what do these feelings of low feel like, if that makes sense? Like, Mm. what do you experience when you're feeling low?
2: So... I guess for me I can describe it as like a dark cloud Mm -hmm. coming and I can see it coming Mm -hmm. and then it just kind of comes and sits over my head for however long it wants to be there it could be two weeks it could be three it could be one Mm -hmm. and then I essentially just feel down in the dumps I might go MIA because I can't explain to people what's wrong with me Um, I just feel really kind of angry and frustrated and worthless and just don't want to do anything, and that will come and just sit on top of my head, and then when it's ready to pass, it will pass. And it's like, when it gets bored, it will leave. Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. So, what did you think you, going MIA, would achieve? Does that make sense? So, obviously,
2: <laughs> <can get> <laughs> What are we going to get out of that, Justin? um I, would, I go MIA, or I would go MIA, because it was just the easier thing to do because I was frustrated at myself because I couldn't pinpoint my emotions or pinpoint why I was feeling that way. So how then would, if I reach out to someone or if someone asks me what's wrong, what am I saying to them? Mm. That was my problem. What what am I saying? Oh, I don't know. I just feel really low. Mm. And then you just, like, in my head, it's just like, you look so stupid. You're just attention seeking. What the heck is wrong with you? Like, if Mm. there's nothing wrong with you, why are you being miserable? Just Mm. fix up. So because I couldn't pinpoint that, I would just, just go MIA. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. So, um, like, in these low bouts, what were you experiencing, or what was... Did you want to happen?
2: Um, I guess the obvious thing would be for it it to go away. But then, I don't know, the low bouts kind of made me feel very angry and snappy towards people. The littlest things could make me really annoyed and so it meant that i was really cold to everyone in the house really snappy at everything that they said and it was frustrating because inside you i i I knew like in my head i was like basically crying and like being like i'm really sorry for treating you the way i am it's not me it's not you it's me like literally that sentence became very real but at the same time my physical body would not allow me to shift out of that out of that realm so it's it's like a I don't know. It's like a fight with my inner self and my outer self. And then, so when I was in a better mood, and later on, I could finally explain what that was like to my mom and my sister. And then I'd be like, if you if I if you ever catch me in that mood, like just know it's not about you. And if so, just give me a hug and bring ice cream and let's all chill. Um, but everyone has their own life going on, so it's not everyone that's going to remember every time you're mean. Why it could be it can just come across as really mean. Mm.
1: Well can you talk about when you guys were in what Zara?
2: Oh. So like this the angriness I didn't really link the anger to anxiety or depression at any point until so there was one there was one time I went to this is a bit earlier this year, I went shopping with my mum and we were in Zara and they were closing. And as we were leaving out... They'd made an announcement. And after we were leaving out the store, I saw a dress. And you know, you just see something in passing. You're like, oh, that's nice. I touched it. And this woman was like, we're closing. And I got so angry. I was like, we know. We heard. Like, I was oh, so... I thought I was going to slap the woman. <laughs> that I was so angry. <laughs> and it's not. it was nothing worth hard. Like, it did not need to be in my system. We got to the stairs of Brent Cross. I was still, like, on... Like, I wanted to go back and beef her again. Like, I was... And it it just, it didn't warrant the anger that I was feeling, but I was so angry. Mm. And that's when I knew, "Mm, this can't, this can't be okay. Mm. And obviously there were other instances. I remember one time, I don't remember what we were arguing about, but Jasmine said something. And again, it was just in light banter, snapped at the girl. And as I was snapping in my head, I was like, why are you snapping this hard? It's not Mm. this deep. Mm. And I remember, yeah, I just left the kitchen and, like, I was so angry. And going up the stairs, I was embarrassed because I was just like, why? How can, can you be slapping like yeah, that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so uh, interesting. So, like, um, in your periods of being in a funk every day, okay, mm. were you able to reach out to anyone um, with what you, what was going on?
2: Um... Now I can previously know, and I remember there was one time after first year in the summer, I'd gone to MIA again from my friends. And um, I remember when I came back out of it, one of my friends was like, is everything okay? Like, what was up? Why did you, what, where have you been? And I remember, again, being that feeling of, I don't really know what to say to you. So you're so desperate for an explanation in that point of time that you kind of pull on everything that could possibly be wrong with your life and making you upset and using that as an excuse. Mm -hmm. So I remember saying like, I don't know, but I think maybe it could be this. Mm -hmm. And I spoke about like the pressure I put on myself with my faith. And he was like, oh, is that it? And so that reaction made me, (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I'll I'll never (laughs) open my mouth again. Mm -hmm. And I'm very used to, again, saying that I'm fine all the time. I'm fine is my automatic response. So it became like nature of habit. I'm fine. Are you okay? I'm fine.
0: Okay, so that um Jane touched on this and her episode. But do you think if there was someone that you could have reached out to, who you know, you understood what you were going through mm. um and understood what mental health was, that you would have reached out to them?
2: Um definitely because like in my experience when when I was reaching kind of breaking point, I remember speaking to a relative mm. who told me about their experiences. And just having knowledge of their experience and being able to listen to someone who had been through or was talking about similar symptoms or similar instances that they've been through. Mm-hmm. It's like the most, it's like your mind explodes of, oh, my God, like, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's not, just I'm not crazy. Like, it's. it was a bigger relief. I was crying more relief rather than sadness because I was like, ah. Oh, for so long, you just feel so ashamed, so much self-hate in your head to actually find that someone else is actually going through it having someone who can understand and isn't just listening and trying to understand it's a whole different level. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. Having someone that understands is important. Yeah. Mm. And that's why, again, we're so hot on this podcast in trying to be what people need, what what we would have wanted in those situations. Cause I remember reaching that peak where I was, if you, if I went through like my Google search history, like the things I was typing in Google, mm. just in sheer desperation for help like i wanted yeah. something that i could read that would make this seem more normal more okay mm. like you're not the you're only trying one to find answers in yeah. different places, and n- nowhere could give me that satisfying answer mm. until i listened to someone actually physically say jocelyn i this mm. i that like there was no bigger relief than that conversation yeah
1: because mm. it's so isolating like we were mm. saying because um it seems like everybody else is doing fine. Yeah. Like everyone's is also saying, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine." So she's like, "Okay, cool. Everybody's fine, but me, me. I'm not fine." Yeah. So is it just like, yeah? Um, going back to the MIA mm. um talk, I was just thinking, um, did anybody ever take that the wrong way? Because I know personally, um, I know that when. Sometimes when people aren't talking to me, I take it as, oh, I've done something wrong. So has anybody come at you and been like, oh, did I do
2: something? Has anybody come up? Yeah. Has mm. it been taken? Like, um, I think in my situation, again, like the friends that I have, I, I'm very thankful in a sense that they don't automatically just be like, well, this chick isn't responding, answering. So that's the end of our friendship. Like i rather have the kind of friends who would liaise with each other. Check. Have you spoken to Jocelyn? Is just everything okay? I tried mm. calling her. This is not that, that. To the point where last summer, Sarah ended up coming to my house in Basingstoke from wherever she was because I, I wasn't responding to anyone. Um, but then, in saying that, when you do go MIA, it's the worst thing is to already feel in that anxious, depressed, low state, and then have yourself then thinking about how horrible you're being to people like being MIA and not giving people an explanation. And it's the worst thing is, the night before, you could have been fine. You were chatting Mm. to them normally. The morning after, you don't want to talk to anyone. And so to be able to explain that is just the hardest thing. And the more that you give yourself grief about the fact that you're being so mean and you're not giving people an explanation, you don't know how to then revert back into, let's just go back to normality without then having to give someone an explanation. Mm. Because again, I feel embarrassed to give you an explanation of, I was just being MIA because... I don't know but i didn't want to speak with anyone
0: so um, earlier you spoke about like you had sessions with a psychiatrist mm. um so when did you how did you start seeing your psychiatrist
2: um beginning of this year was when i really kind of had the the real breakdown um so i spent i don't, I don't know do we take it just as a journey i spent like yeah. all of january essentially led up
1: to
2: it. yeah all of january Every Saturday, I would spend it in my bed, in tears, sad, sleeping, tears, sad, sleeping, see, just in a cycle, until it got to the evening time where I would then go to a friend's birthday because I have my primary school friends. Everyone had a birth has a birthday one weekend of January, so yeah, every, like I would be late to their birthdays purely because I'm trying to get myself out of bed to go, mm. and I was working. So I've just spent the past year working on placement in Basingstoke so I'd only be home on the weekends and I think that working in Basingstoke added to it as well being a new town no one's really there that I know it was just not the best experience for me mm. in that sense um so yeah that kind of slow decline happened in January and then at one point in January l- late January early February I had a full breakdown where i spoken to one of my relatives like I said earlier and she'd obviously explained to me everything that she'd been through in previous years to do with depression and anxiety and it was just such a huge relief that I was just crying the whole day and no one could really understand why and then my mum was like okay we're gonna book you to go and see the GP which for her was probably the biggest relief for her because she'd been trying to get me to go and see someone for years so and I'd been reluctant to do so so for me to do that was a big step. So we booked an appointment. She had to move my GP from Portsmouth. That's where we're in. Yeah, to back to London. And we booked an appointment for the like the Friday, which was Valentine's Day, I
0: mm-hmm. think.
2: So let's just think February 14th. And then um, got to the GP and the guy said, oh, this isn't actually your appointment. This is for registration. And I had a breakdown. <laughs> Because I was like, I've been looking for my whole week mm. to just finally being able to be free of having all of that in my head and actually being able to discuss it. So on the way home, my mum called a friend of hers who's a GP, and she referred us to one of our relatives who's was a psychiatrist. psychiatrist. Mm. And within a day, he was in my house wow. having my first assessment. And yeah. Then the following day, I had a GP appointment, the one I was supposed to go to. Mm. And in that... She diagnosed me with anxiety and depression and wrote me off with Prozac. Wow. So,
0: yeah. Um, you seem kind of like reluctant to have a diagnosis. Like you even said when you were younger, oh, I didn't really know what was going on. Mm. You didn't really want to say anything about it. And even with the whole deep it, seems like you didn't really want to know what it was. Yeah. Um, what would you say the reason my hand
2: up was? Um. Because I felt like going going to see someone would just make it real, like it would make it official. Mm. And that was something I'd been so reluctant to do over the years, especially because I think one major faith reason is my faith. Mm. I was so hell-bent on and reliant on God trying mm. to fix it. To the point where I remember in January, there was a point I went to Apple Town to buy my friend a gift mm. for her birthday. And I remember sitting in this car and screaming to God, like, what do you want from me? Like, I cannot live like this anymore. What is going on? Mm. Um, and I'd never really vocally said anything. Every conversation I'd always had was in my head. I was just so hysterical. And then also in January, I knew it gotten deep when I would find myself thinking about my funeral. And the only thing that would bring it, me back to earth would be, I'd hear myself, I heard myself out loud saying, oh no, you couldn't do that to your mum. And that's when I was like, mm, this is this is deep because my mm. thoughts have never gone that far to just suicidal thoughts. So um, I'm sorry. What was what was your question? Why didn't I want to mm-hmm. be died? Why didn't I want to go? Because I didn't want to then be able to rely on that as an excuse for how I was feeling. Mm. I was I was scared that I would just be like, oh, I'm feeling this way because I have anxiety, depression, and there's nothing. I did. I, I was so hell bent against doing that because I felt like I was the kind of person who was capable of doing so. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. So what like what ended up leading to you? getting a diagnosis when did this happen
2: so in that monday session with the gp that's when that diagnosis happened um and just the whole breakdown leading up to it from january up until february mm. and then yeah from that from middle february i was i've been working on it ever since
0: wow so obviously you said you were prescribed medication mm-hmm. um what was your initial reaction or how did you go about that
2: when she said it out loud Mm. I remember just shaking in the chair Mm. because I was so reluctant Mm. to take medication Mm. because for me and this isn't to say that it won't work for people it hasn't worked for people it most definitely has but I couldn't get my head around having to take medication to make me happy Mm. why can't I do that? By myself. Mm. Why do I have to rely on a tablet to make me happy? And will that be a permanent thing? So am I permanently going to just be in confusion of am I happy because I'm happy? Or am I happy because medication? Because Mm. I'm taking medication. Mm. Mm. The way people try to like describe it to me was like, if you have a cold, you'll take medication. I have asthma. That's a permanent illness. Unless Mm. today God wants to take it away. But you have to every day take your Becquitide, which is a preventive, and your Ventolin whenever you need it. So the same way they describe anxiety and depression as being a chemical imbalance, Mm. you need to treat that with the medication that's required. But I couldn't get my head around it. Mm. Um, And another thing is with these medications for anxiety, depression, the first one that you get prescribed will not necessarily be for you. Mm. So they'll put you on like a four-week trial of it and you'll have to watch your mood either go up, down, up, down, Mm get suicidal and the side effects as well like some of them the side effects you said the other day are suicide suicide. so am I supposed to wait for that to happen and realise at the end of four weeks oh this isn't for me then try a new one then try a new one then try a new one until it works and I'm not saying that would have happened to me but I don't want to run the risk of it because Mm. I feel like I couldn't get much lower than that point that I was at yeah
1: yeah it's a big risk
2: it's It's a
0: huge risk
1: yeah
0: (laughs) that's mad stuff that's mad yeah so okay cool uh, that's not. Um, <laughs> um, so obviously, like you had the GP session, mm. um, which is more like let's say general. So, but you had a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist as yeah. well. Um, what were your sessions like with him?
2: Mm. So the first assessment, I think, for anyone who would go into therapy for the first time who's reluctant, you're kind of like you don't really expect to talk, you don't really expect to open up, you don't know the person. So I didn't really expect to open up as much as I did, but the way. They work is such that they ask you questions to the point where and your answers are to the point where you don't even realize what you're saying or like oh my god did I just say that like out loud or did I be more open than I had anticipated so my first session was okay it was just he was just trying to get to know me and I think like I said to you the most beautiful thing about that whole thing was as reluctant as I was the following session I remember I was talking about things and he'd refer back to what I'd said with points that I'd made in the previous session points that I hadn't even remembered I'd said so he'd be like oh yeah like he said when you did this this time and I was like how did you remember that Mm. and he's like because he said it like last session so just that's I don't know if it's a skill that you're trained to have but that to me was so (laughs) it was beautiful I Mm. wouldn't even remember half that Mm. stuff so that's when I was like okay maybe this could work and after the first week, I was on a high. I thought I'd mastered anxiety and <laughs> everything in a week. Then second week, I fell flat again. Mm. And I was like, this isn't going to work. I remember one night, I was so hysterical. My mom called him and I was just like, I know what you're telling me to do. It's plain English. And I know, you know when you read things like on social media and people are like, you need to do this in order to achieve this. You know you have to do it, but implementing it is such a different thing. Mm. And when your mind is so fragile at that time implementing it is such a difficult thing and when you can't do it then you're getting frustrated with yourself and you're hating yourself and you're telling yourself all these things in your head it just becomes a vicious cycle and then you just fall flat again Mm -hmm. and so at some point i I didn't think sorry to to add to that i then instead of taking medication went down the route of cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy and it kind of like trains you to target your emotions trains you to just be more aware of your thoughts and your Mm. emotions of what's going on so you can take control of them rather than taking control of you first. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying before that. Sorry. (laughs) Um,
0: It was just a warrior warrior, session, like Yeah, um, no. You were gassed in the first week of the Yeah, Yeah, I was very
2: gassed. But I didn't think it was going to work. But I think it's the best route I could have taken for myself because now you actually understand what you're thinking, why you're thinking that way. And now it's funny i can kind of laugh at myself when i can see myself about to have a panic attack mm. or about to do something because it's like okay jocelyn you're feeling this way why are you feeling this way it makes me retrace my thoughts back mm. to where it started mm. how did you get to this point yeah. and so when i can figure out how i got to that point i can either if it's to do the person i can go back to the person and confront them and say whatever will make me more settled. So they might not know why I'm coming back after two days to discuss mm-hmm. this, but I know I have to get off my chest in order to stop thinking the way I'm thinking. Yeah. It's like
1: questioning your thoughts. Yeah. I feel like sometimes it's like you just let your thoughts and your emotions carry. Yeah. Like it just pushes you yeah. down this rabbit hole. Yeah. But when, when, you're, when you have these, when you have the techniques from CBT, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, you no, know, stop. And yeah. then what am I thinking? Like, what is, what
2: caused this? Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. And when you stop and think, actually, like the, the biggest... I'd say what leads you into that anxious depressed low phase or like space is just you ruminating over mm-hmm. all like the thoughts that rumination that continuously just goes it's just a cycle it's just if you don't break that cycle it, you'll be start, in it forever you'll be in it forever if you don't break
1: it at the start like I think that's also for me sometimes mm. While we're, even though I know what to do you don't do because it because I haven't stopped it um, early point. enough it's, it's too just late it's me. Gone. <laughs> so yeah. it's like there's no stop, I just have to yeah. ride out yeah, yeah.
0: Oh wow, so, so mental. Okay, hey. <laughs> um, it's long, it's hella long. Um, so how obviously you spoke about okay, you were angry, you got upset, um, you got annoyed, but how much would you say anxiety and depression impacted you?
2: So, at the time when I got um diagnosed, mm. I had obviously I was in placement I got written off of work for a month oh, wow. so I was not at work and that also added to the stress of it all because you're just how did I that even happen? how did what? how did you get written off work? at the GP yeah. so when I got to the GP I explained she was like oh yeah I think you should yeah I had to I was crumbling oh, and when I came back that even having to call my manager and say that I couldn't do it oh. I had to make my mum do it and I made her swear him to secrecy <laughs> I was like you cannot tell anyone oh because again I'm thinking about are people going to think I'm incapable like, I can't do the work because I'm very capable of doing the work but like my mind in the office wasn't there like I would have to leave my desk to just go in it's an open plan office I needed my space and then with that one of the ladies I remember sat me down and we were talking and she was like are you okay because I still see you getting up and going off and that put another element mm. of panic on me because I was like, oh my God, now I'm being God watched. Watching. And if you saw me at my desk, the way I'd have to slide away or like be checking everyone's calendars to see when people have meetings so I didn't feel like I was being rude or making people feel offended. So I could just go away and have my own space to just rejuvenate and come back to my desk. So yeah, I'm sorry, again. What, what was your question? Um, oh was it so, oh yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, so... I did, I wasn't eating in that period. I lost a lot of weight, a lot of weight. Like I could go days without eating. My mom would. Wait, what? Skinny. Oh, oh, I've always had skinny wrists. Leave <laughs> me alone. Um, but my mom would literally have to beg me to eat. And prior to that, I've always had a big appetite. So for that to be happening, you know, no, there's no, something no, no, wrong. No, no. Um, yeah, thank you. Relax, <laughs> relax, relax. <laughs> oh my god. And then I also, at some point, developed my my left jaw would hurt so much I couldn't even open my mouth to eat. Oh. And so I went to the dentist, and it would also click as well. I went to the dentist; he was going through my mouth, asked me all these questions, and then he just rolled back and he was like, "So, Jocelyn, you going through any relationship breakups, stress, anxiety?" I said, "Exposed my body." Yeah, I just got diagnosed with de- um, depression and anxiety, and even to say that out my mouth again, every time I had to say it in an office, I sounded so stupid, but it oh. had to come out. Mm. And then I was diagnosed with something called TMD, which stands for temporomandibular disorder. So I essentially had a locked jaw or like there was just, I was just clenching my jaw unconsciously, subconsciously or unconsciously in my sleep from just the anxiousness and the pressure. And I hadn't noticed before, but as soon as he'd said it, I was just more awake in my sleep. So I had to then go back to wearing my retainers every single night to just keep that Contact cool. of like my top jaw and bottom jaw away from each other, um, instead of getting a bite guard or whatever because I already had the retainer. And just like the pain, I had to change my entire diet to sloppy foods, I had to do like mouth exercises before I went to bed, it was just a lot. What's hey. the What did I, what did I used to tell you to do before you went to bed? Oh, and then Jane used to tell me to drink chamomile tea so I could relax. I'm did not you, a hot drinks person, I did it once. Want- so you yeah. Yeah. saw the tension. I know, but then I noticed also that I was also doing it at my desk. I noticed that I'd catch myself like going like this at my desk. So it wasn't even a night thing anymore; it was a day thing as well. So that uh, that dentist took a lot of my money because I was going every two weeks to oh, go yeah, and do there's, checkups. There's no free dentist. Yeah, because yeah. um, I'm 21 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know.
0: So yeah, just explaining that. Um. Anyway, um. So when did the anxiety develop?
2: Oh yeah, because I said at the beginning I don't think it started off. I think that started November last year. So in at the company that I was working for we had a six-month challenge with students and it was about social background and it was about um, diversity and inclusion and my group were given the task of social background and that was something they hadn't really covered in the office. So again, there were tensions of whether that's about race whether that's about social class whether that's about what... And I think that was the first time where I properly experienced, maybe... I started to develop, like, imposter syndrome. It's as simple as that. I started being more aware of being different because I was black or being considered differently and just questioning whether I was here because of my abilities, whether I was here because I was just here to fill a quota. Um, so, again, that that paranoia just fueled a lot of anxiousness in, in the office. And it just... Spiraled out of control. I remember feeling so low doing that um, that project. So just, ugh, horrible. And then mm. you just think you're just more heightened, and you're more aware of like everything that's going on around you. Maybe take things a little bit too seriously, too to heart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it will just spiral out of control. Um, those are like, but <laughs> and then that's the I guess to me. so. The anxiety will just develop and then it develops into other things. So, like, if you know me, I'm very bad at responding to messages, answering calls, stuff like that. Like, it's not intentional, but I'm actually not always with my phone. And mm-hmm. then sometimes I'll register that I've seen your message mm-hmm. and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll respond to that in a minute. And it could be three weeks. Mm-hmm. So that was something that used to make me panic. The fact that I hadn't responded to people's messages. Um, I'm currently slacking actually. <laughs> Checking my bank balance. Like, I could go weeks. With, I'm sure that stresses a lot of people out. But I can go weeks without just doing Apple Pay by faith. Because I could not open that, that app. I can't imagine. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. But no, I could the not piece physically piece open it. I haven't, no, no. Honestly, because I have a fear that this woman is going to tell me, oh, sorry, you have insufficient funds." phones. Like, If what? it happens, it happens. Oh, that's worse for me. <laughs> checking my bank balance. Checking that's emails. Rude. Emails. I, I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I guess... After realising all of these, I had to make conscious decisions mm. to actually... No, Justin, you have to check your back balance. You have to check your emails. You need to respond to that message when it comes through now. Mm. Or, like, at the end of the day, I just go through and then check my phone, check my WhatsApp, and just make sure I've responded to everyone. So I don't have that waking up and be like, oh, God, I don't reply to that person from, like, mm. three weeks ago. And, mm. again, now I don't know how to go back to you and be like, really sorry, I was asleep for three weeks mm. <laughs> It's so, crazy. I feel like we don't think about
1: how anxiety can affect like just the sort like mundane Every things day, yeah, like yeah, yeah. checking your back yeah. balance checking oh, no. messages like it affects any like it's so specific to different people and but it can still affect such random yeah. things for different people. people like it's
0: yeah. wild what's yeah. your wife they're the for the background can you know as of
2: last week do you want to send me something as of last week 21p wow share it share it share it that
0: three years it was still in bio lollipop so do you feel like um knowing that you have or have the mental issue of anxiety and depression do you feel like you gave into that more like mm. for example one thing i say is that if i know i have something mm. so let's say i know i have the skill to do something i will use it as a strength Mm -hmm. so in the same way you knowing that you were suffering with anxiety or Mm -hmm. depression would you
2: like Mm -hmm. you know um see that's the one reason why i didn't want to go and be diagnosed because i didn't want to be able to use it as an excuse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i feel like and another thing with my faith i was always very strong in saying it's not my anxiety it's not my depression i didn't want to claim it because i didn't want it to be a resident of like think it think it's like part of me like it's my handbag no like I, I was always very strong in not claiming it but i've noticed now that i do say like oh the ang- like my anxiety is i just thought what i had do you know what i mean claiming mm. it a bit more mm-hmm. because it's it's you've got to find a balance because at the end of the day it's, it is what it is and it's there do you know mm-hmm. what i mean and if it's whether it's to do with the genetics whether it's to do with your chemical like a chemical imbalance, like. It's not really something that's going to leave you, mm. I I don't think. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to leave you. Because in some cases, it's actually inherent in some people's characters. Mm. But it's something that you have to then work out ways to take control of so it doesn't affect you mm. in the same ways. So, I don't know. I think, in a way, being diagnosed was a relief because you're finally not in a limbo of, I don't want to say out loud, I don't want to say out loud that I think I'm suffering from this. Mm. But... I try and make a conscious effort to not make an excuse for my behavior. With it, does that make sense? Yeah. Like it is, it is an excuse. It, it is the reason why I may think the way that I did or react the way that I did. Mm. But I try not to. Yeah, I try not to just be like, "Oh, I can't do anything," or "This is the way I am because anxiety and depression." No.
1: Um. Yeah, I think like that caused me anxiety as well because mm. I was just like, um, especially when you're studying. I don't want to be like, oh, I have, I'm depressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't
2: I'm do gonna it. I'm going to go yeah. to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. You have to definitely... combat it. It's a
0: fight. It's a daily fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, obviously, um, we kind of asked this question earlier, but mm-hmm. more in specific to what you've spoken about, what would you? What, what do you think would have made you feel better in, for example, in that work situation that you had? Or just generally where you feel like you had to walk away when do you have to check people's calendars to make sure they didn't see when yeah. you walked away mm. and stuff, um, what do you think would have made, or for example, when you had to take a month off work and stuff, what do you think would have made you feel
2: better? Not caring. Mm, moments, yeah. Do you know how many, no one cares. Like, <laughs> no one actually cares. <laughs> but to get your mind thing. around that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, ah, a, around, yeah, it's so. a different thing. <laughs> and you know what? There were points where, like, when I did feel that no one cares thing, mm. or, like, <laughs> Sometimes I'd get sent physical copies of contracts, for example, mm. and I'd have to get my manager si- manager to sign it. That process of asking him to sign a contract that he has to sign could take me up until lunchtime to ask him. Wow. Because everyone is an open This Everyone is there. Everyone's going to be watching me. Everyone's going to be listening to what I'm saying. Till this day, like I spent a year and a bit, a year and a month in that place, mm. never answered a call, like a Skype call at my desk, a business... Always found a study room, made sure I'd left in advance wow. to get it. When I had to call IT, if anyone's, like, in in the office, if anything was happening, you log a ticket to IT or facilities. If anyone's like, oh, just log a ticket. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> and, you know, in the end, I found on Skype, there's a way to contact the facilities people or IT people mm. and just be able to type okay. rather than getting them, having to make a call. Mm. But it just... I really wish I'd realised that no one no one cares. Everyone's doing their own thing at their desk. Like it's not you just overthink everything. Yeah. But again, it's training your mind to realise that. And the times where I'd be like, if I wanted to work from home because I had a doctor's appointment. Again, it could take me the whole day to ask. Mm. But and the moment that you ask, you're like, Oh yeah, it's gone. <laughs> it's both the most liberating and the
1: most Difficult thing to get your head around the fact that nobody cares, yeah. because because you're always thinking you're overthinking. Everything's so just like, of course they care, they're watching me, they're watching mm. me, they're watching me. But mm, no, they're no, not. No, they're not. Like everybody, I've also come to realise that everybody else is also consumed in their own stuff. Yeah. yeah. So everybody else is overthinking whatever that they're overthinking.
0: Yeah. It's oh uh, yeah. And um, what would you say the most difficult aspect of going through mental health issues has been, or it's at the moment?
2: Um. Mm -hmm. I'd say, and we're probably going to talk about this in another episode, but it affected my relationship with God a lot. Mm -hmm. It affected the things that I did. So, like, YouTube, for example. Or just, like, the sheer... Yeah, it affected YouTube, for example, because... Sorry, because... um, I haven't been on YouTube in God knows how many months. And I tried to come back in the midst of my, like a week or two after Mm. I'd been diagnosed Mm. and then had to leave again. Because I, again, I put a lot of pressure. When I had my sessions with a psychiatrist, we realised that I put a lot of pressure on myself in my work, friendships, family, um, and religion, like my faith. Mm. So, yeah, I just, the most difficult aspect is trying to find how God sits in with my anxiety where he fits in Mm. because i've been relying on him for years to take this away i always knew it was something i was suffering with and i was that person that was always encouraging other people and i heard people's testimonies of how they'd overcome anxiety by the grace of god and i'm like my what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah for me that's been my biggest difficulty is learning how to i switched off i stopped in my bible i i canceled him i was prepared yeah. to let go of my faith because i was just like you haven't helped me up until this point yeah. so i don't really know what's left um again my youtube was dedicated or like in honor of and just did everything to do with god mm. i didn't know how to continue with that because i'm lying to people because mm. i'm yeah. not in that space yeah. and now i'm trying to figure out how to go back to that youtube because i would like to I, it's something i enjoyed i started off enjoying it but i'm so scared to do it because i don't want to go back into that space of mm. just it being a pressure thing i was reading my bible not for myself but for what i could tell other people mm. so there was, i just lost that personal touch of how is this edifying and mm. growing me mm. it just became a pressure thing mm. so i'm i don't want to go back to that space because it was dark it was horrible and i don't realize how dark it was until i've come out of it mm. like you don't realize the kind of headspace you were in until you're you're in a new one you're like oh damn mm. how was i surviving in that but yeah my the most difficult thing I think was just my faith.
1: Where do you think all that pressure comes from? because you were like you have pressure um, from family, friends, so YouTube like mm. where is that myself? Pressure? I put the pressure
2: on myself. pressure to 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 know what I'm doing like after I graduate, to know what I'm doing at, in my course to know mm. to know or like t- the pressure Pre- to the pressure. P- the, p- the pressure to be perfect. And no one else is putting that pressure on myself mm. but me. And that was what we established in the session. Is that no one... My mum's not doing it. My dad's not doing it. Everyone's really proud of me. And, like, they know I haven't got everything figured out. But I'm getting somewhere. And everyone sees how well I'm doing mm. and the way I push myself and how hard I work, except for me. Mm. Mm. And so it's just mm. the constant... And it's exhausting. I remember starting my placement. Yeah, so I remember second year, applying for loads of things, competitions, this, this, that. I was... Doing the most, applying for this um, placement, mm. and thinking like I could list the amount of things I'd done my second year. It was amazing. And before starting placement, I was already angry and frustrated because I was like, "What's next? Mm. <laughs> what am I doing next? What I, I I cannot even live in the moment. Exactly, It steals mm. your presence. It steals I cannot live in the moment. Present. I remember by the end of summer, and I'd only end of summer. If I started placement in July, that's August. When my mum had to come back. Come down to Basingstoke because I had, and I was just like I cannot enjoy any present moment because I'm always panicking about what I haven't applied for next, what I haven't done next. I'm never moving. I'm not doing anything. I'm just I'm stuck. But mm-hmm. I just moved leaps and bounds from where I was at the beginning of second year to now. Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah, it's just stealing your present joy. And I know even even like in April when I went to Ghana, I went to Ghana on holiday for some time wow <laughs> yeah <it> was, <laughs> but even awesome. some of the it was for my aunt's 40th birthday but some of the events that happened it looks amazing <laughs> it was it was but amazing it looks like, wow. but again in a lot of the events i remember just having i remember one of them i went and called my sister because she was in london and just cried and i was like i feel so like overwhelmed Actually, i don't know why i was just and I did not know why, but it meant I couldn't enjoy that moment as much as I could have done. Like people wanting to take pictures, and I feel so uncomfortable. I want the ground to open me and swallow me, mm. but I can't explain that to anyone else. And I feel bad afterwards because it comes across as I wasn't in the mood or I wasn't. Mm. But like I want to be in the mood. I want to be a part of all of this, but physically I can't. My being is not allowing me to be a part of it, mm. and it just means I didn't. I don't enjoy a lot of moments, and oh, like I've missed people's birthdays because in that moment I my body didn't want to be there, my mm. head didn't want to be there, and then afterwards, you're just in that, I don't want to say FOMO, because it's deeper than FOMO, it's it's like a, ah, uh, like, are you kidding? Mm. <laughs> are you actually kidding? Because when you think back at it, if you've just got it up and gone, you know? Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool, so i ask, ask this question to Jane
2: tonight,
0: like, you know, to me, as
2: well, but, so where, I ask you Oh!
0: So, <laughs> so where is Jocelyn now? Mm.
2: Um, more aware, more aware of like my thoughts and how far I can think, more able to control my thoughts, more able to control what I ruminate on, what I don't, um, in a much better headspace. I think I'm glowing a bit more. If I do say so, no, I'm joking. (laughs) No, I'm joking. But there's just, I feel a lot more at peace in my chest, Mm. in my heart, um, kind of getting back on track with God and like who I am in him um I still fall Mm. every so often but I'm not so afraid of that cloud that that I see coming as much anymore like if I see it coming I'm ready to attack rather Mm. than okay when you arrive knock at the door let me know so we can enter and chill Mm. together and when you're ready move on now I'm just like mm. I try and do things to divert away from it so I'm just yeah um yeah
0: and then also, by the end of 2019, where would you like to be in terms of your mental health?
2: Well, I would like to say eradicated, but... Yeah, I'll go for that. <laughs> <laughs> eradicated. in mm. Jesus' Speaking name, into But yeah, gone. Like, gone. Or just being able to be, like, I am taking a hold of you rather than you're taking me by the hand and walking me down the street. I'm mm. going to be walking you where you need to go. Mm. And just, like, not... Just living for myself, living out the things that I've been called to and I'm supposed to do, rather than yeah, just like fear and confusion and what are people going to think. It's not about anyone. It's about me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, That's good. That's it. Yeah.
1: Listening to all of that because Justin and I are pretty good friends. Are we? <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. You could say that we're really yeah. good friends. And it's just a if you know Justin, you know that Justin is a She's such a bubbly person. Like, I remember when I met Justin, like, she was so... She comes across as such a bubbly. Like, she comes, she's like way she's a sunshine. way of hmm? sunshine.
2: Shut yeah, she's up, Imam.
1: What did he say? She's annoying. No, she's, an... she's annoying. Exactly. She's, she seems annoyingly happy. Like, she's always... I remember when I met her, positive attitude mentality is what mm. she always used to say. And I was like, this girl, get out of my face. Because <laughs> she always used to come across as this, like, so okay cool I'm struggling but like it's fine we'll keep on going mm. and she was always so bubbly like I know in one of your birthday messages I was t- talking about how when I think about Jocelyn like Jocelyn in my head is almost synonymous with like flowers and like wow. flowery patterns and sunshine and happiness wow. and so although I've heard these stories before but like hearing it it just keeps on seeing how about it keeps reiterating the point of that like, People come across one way, but that doesn't necessarily reflect what they're feeling inside. So, like, what you're seeing might not, although, like, the person might be trying their hardest to be like it's. It's also a thing of okay, cool. I I do want to be this type of person. I'm gonna try, but at the same time, they could still be struggling with so much. Mm. The fact that she didn't feel like she could call me mm. is probably the most upsetting thing for me. I feel like we need to try and make. It, a comfortable space where people will feel like they're able to speak to their friends mm-hmm. essentially yeah, okay. because someone who you're so close to is going through all of this but you say that you're her friend but mm-hmm. you don't know that she's crying at night. so mm-hmm. I feel like we just all need to try and just do better and
0: it's just
1: true. communicate more
0: I think another thing as well as I was saying like, this podcast is definitely going to help people and another thing as well is that you can't check up on everyone but I look as long as you're checking up at least one person Yeah. and like, if someone just drops in a mine just drops in your name just go and see how yeah. they do Yeah. Um, I'm really so. Don't, if you say, How are you? and they say, Fine, be like, Shut up and be like, Tell me, (laughs) how are you? Exactly. I'm like,
1: Okay, how are you? Just keep on asking it.
0: Just be like, How are you? No, seriously. um, But, to be honest, I think you're, yeah, what both of you have done is sick. I think Jasmine did really
1: well. You did, amazing.
0: did really well, and I know a lot of people relate. um, So, yeah, um, but yeah, just check up on people
2: if you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a joke? I do. <laughs> give me my. Give <laughs> you have my
1: stupid, very stupid joke. <laughs> Let's see if you have a joke for us, because the last one was quite <laughs> a, was quite abysmal.
2: <laughs> Guys. Quite abysmal. What okay. was it? European. Euro- European. <laughs> um, how do you make, how do you make antifreeze? Huh? You know antifreeze like the one Not in the car your... the spring. Yeah. Oh, how do you make antifreeze? <sighs>
1: It's gonna be something stupid to everything like a stupid reply. You unfreeze the frozen oh, <laughs> Let's
2: speak English. <laughs> let's string together English. I even it it. I know you take away her jacket. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> How do you Wait, make what was the antifreeze? question? What was the question? Oh, you take away stop her it. jacket. Stop it, stop <laughs> it, stop You're it, stop, like, it. stop it. No, <laughs>
1: They okay, found stop it! <laughs> stop it! You mean Auntie Freeze? Because Auntie, oh my god, no! Stop, Justin, no!
0: Okay. End podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god! It's so, so bad. Wait a second. Anyway. Thank you guys for listening. Um I hope you guys um I hope this resonates with you and you guys are kind of inspired to talk more with friends and just be a bit more open. It's very hard, but you know. But there's try. power in speaking up. Exactly. Try. Just try. Um and yeah. Bye. See you later. See you now.